welcome in to the Barnes on Baba podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I've got a good one in store. Um, as I mentioned in the intro episode to the pod, uh, this episode's to go into a little bit more detail about what I liked and didn't like about the Auburn game that happened for the men's basketball team on Wednesday, as well as dive into the LSU game. They're going into Baton Rouge on Saturday um, at 11 o'clock, and... You know, what does Alabama need to fix? Um, and what do they need to continue on from the first game um, when Alabama had a 109 to 88 victory? So it really is going to be discussing the men's basketball team. Um, like I said, that Auburn game that happened on, uh, on Wednesday, and then the LSU game that is set to happen on Saturday. So let's just start with the Auburn game. I thought that Alabama came out. A little slow, um, but that was kind of to be expected. Nate Oates kept the starting lineup exactly what it was, um, starting the four guards, uh, Sears, Estrada, Reitzel, and Griffin, um, along with Grant Nelson. That's the lineup he's gone with the last few games, and I agree with the lineup. I understand why he goes with that lineup. Um, He thinks that the offense flows a little bit better with having multiple guards. And I don't know that I disagree with him. The problem with Auburn is Auburn has Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. And Grant Nelson did a really, really good job on Janai Broom in game one. However, Rylan Griffin versus Jalen Williams is a mismatch. And Grant Nelson, for the whole game, can't cover Janai Broom. So it became a situation where at the beginning of that game, Auburn went to Jalen Williams time and time and time again and basically forced Alabama to change the lineup. And Alabama eventually did change the lineup. But pretty early on in that first half, even with hitting some big shots, and Alabama had hit quite a few threes early in the game, Alabama still found itself down to 11. I was getting really, really concerned Um, because that is a very tough environment to play in. And I was really concerned that it was going to be far out of reach before we ever really got the game started. Alabama was then able to claw itself back, and they tied it up 39-39. From there is where I think the major issue happened. Um, They had tied it up partially on the back of Mo Diabate. Um, There had been some other players that had made some big plays as well. But there was a lineup that was in that was playing hard-nosed, that was getting the rebounds, that was moving the ball well. But the big thing is they were getting stops on defense. They had given up 31 points in, you know, barely under 10 minutes. And Nate even was mentioned on the broadcast. uh, They went into the huddle, and Nate was talking about how Auburn was on track to score 125. Well, the problem is when Nate – when we got tied 39-39, Nick Pringle was going to the line to shoot a free throw. And we put in Sam Walters at the four, left Nick in at the five. The issue then entailed that with having Sam and Nick in, I understand why um, Nick needed to play in this game. Um, later on in the game, it became a situation where if you hadn't fouled out, then you probably had to play because most people had either fouled out or had four fouls, and so Nate kind of had to play everyone. But at that moment in the game, at 39-39, he put in Nick and Sam, and Auburn attacked him immediately. Um, now there's some argument whether Nick kind of provoked Auburn because he got he was 
making comments to deny Broom, and Broom went on to score 12 of their 16 points in the 16-2 run to close the half. Um, but, you know, whether Nick did or whether he didn't, at the end of the day, that run happened. And when that run happened, it destroyed all momentum that Alabama had. They had been down 11, bring it back to even, and now it's now it's you're down 14 going into the half. So at, from outside of that moment in the game, right, it's about three and a half minutes before the half. From that stretch, they were down 16 to 2. The rest of the game was a four-point game. So it wasn't a situation where Alabama really got destroyed in the game. In my mind, Nate Oates got outcoached for four minutes. Um, Nate Oates put in some, uh, a lineup that just was not fit for the type of game that was being played. Um, Auburn is a physical team. They have one of the best front courts in the country. And when Nate left in Sam Walters and Nick Pringle, Auburn took advantage of it. They went inside, and Janai Broom, like I said, Janai got 12 of the 16 points. So in my mind, this is a situation where Alabama dropped a game. Now, their season's not over. They're still tied for first place in the league. If the SEC tournament was to happen today, they would actually be the number one seed. Um, And, you know, they have two losses. There's four teams with two losses now in conference. So as long as they continue on with the trajectory that they're on, they their full season's ahead of them. But there are some things, obviously, that Alabama's going to have to clean up. Fouling's one of them. Um, another one of them is post-defense. Um, the interior defense has been abysmal. Um, a lot of the teams that have been able to take advantage of Alabama and do really, really well against Alabama have had great post-play. Um, Tennessee, you know, with Adu was really killing us in the interior. Um, Auburn, obviously, with Broom and Williams. When we lost to Clemson, it was P.J. Hall um, and Ian. Um, can't remember his last name, but um, number four, Ian, was really killing us. Shefflin, I believe, was killing us in that game. Um, you know, Arizona had Ballow. Um, Creighton has Kalkbrenner, you know, all of these teams that we lost to, you know, Purdue has Edie, you know, dominant big men. And Alabama has not done as well against a dominant big man, big man as much this year. Um, even against Mississippi State, you know, Alabama ends up winning that game huge. Tolu Smith had a heck of a game. He put up his points. Alabama was just able to stop the rest of the team from scoring. That's mostly what happened in the first Alabama-Auburn game. Um, the difference was in this one, Jalen Williams, instead of scoring seven, scored 26 and a career high. So it's just a situation where Alabama, um, you know, has to clean up that interior defense. I think that they have some ideas as to what to do. Um, I would be lying if I say that, you know, missing Charles Betty Iko is isn't something that's happening because it absolutely is. When you look at how this team was constructed, um, Nate was not knowing that Charles was going to the draft. But at the end of the day, we don't have him, and you've got to play the games no matter what. So it's just a situation where you can complain about it, you can cry about it, but the games are still going to happen. So um, I think that Nate and co. are figuring out some different things. Um, the defense has gotten better. The Auburn game, I don't take away as, oh, the defense – 
is all of a sudden awful just because Auburn took advantage in, in a really, really good home court environment. Um, that doesn't shock me. Auburn Auburn's a good team, and losing that game, I don't think any more negatively about Alabama because of it. But there are some things that are going to have to be cleaned up. Um, so going into the next game, you've got LSU. Um, Alabama's going back to Baton or going into Baton Rouge. They have played LSU so far earlier this year. They won 109 to 88, as I mentioned earlier. Um, it was just a dominant, dominant output by Alabama. Um, I've got the stats pulled up here. Um, they shot 41% from three in the first game, 72% from two. Uh, they won the rebound battle 42 to 33. Um, won the assist battle 23 to 13. Um, they got eight steals to seven steals. They only committed 19 turnovers compared to 24. Really, at all facets of the game, Alabama was better. Um, but at the end of the day, LSU is still a good team. LSU scored 88 points on us, and they honestly shot really well. Um, LSU shot 39% from three, um, 45% from two. Um, they did shoot pretty poorly from the line at 63%, but honestly really respectable numbers. They out-offensive rebounded us. So this is a team that really has the ability to to score with some, some of the best teams in the league. LSU did just drop a game to Tennessee, um, but – you know, Alabama's also lost to Tennessee, so that doesn't really shock me. Um, immediately following the Alabama game, they did beat beat Arkansas and beat them handily. Um, so LSU's had a bit of an up-and-down conference slate. Um, but going into someone's, someone's arena in the SEC, no matter the team that they are, is going to be tough. I think the Georgia game showed us that as much as anything else. Alabama comes out with a win. They end up covering in that game. But for anybody that watched the game and didn't just look at the stat sheet, Georgia dominated the first half of that game. Alabama could not do anything. They were getting manhandled on the boards. Georgia was getting whatever they wanted whenever they wanted it. And I'm sure part of that had to do with playing in front of their home crowd. At the end of the day, winning in the SEC is not easy. I don't care who you are, what team you're playing. You know, Vanderbilt has one win in conference. Alabama only beats them by three. So this game on the road in conference is going to be tough. Um, I think that a lot in this game might come down to if Jalen Cook plays. Um, Jalen Cook was out for the last game for LSU. Um, which is a significant injury. Uh, he was out with a hamstring injury, so those can be a little bit different. Um, sometimes there's different levels of hamstring injury, so I'm not sure the extent of that injury, whether he's going to play or not. Um, you would assume, given the fact that he didn't play in this last game against Tennessee, and that's, that's a big game as well, that Cook probably, even if he does play, is not going to be 100% in this Alabama game. Um, so that is at least something to keep an eye on. Cook had uh, 11 points in the first game, um, so not his biggest offensive output of the year. But he, Jalen Cook is somebody that can really facilitate, can really, can really shoot the ball, and 
is one of the better players that LSU has. You know, he was a transfer from Tulane after having been at LSU prior and then transferring to Tulane and then back to LSU. Um, another guy that Alabama is going to have to to watch out for, you know, in, in Cook's absence is Jordan Wright. Uh, Jordan Wright's the transfer from Vanderbilt. Alabama's played him many, many times um, while he was at Vanderbilt. But, you know, Jordan Wright is somebody that in that first game I'm seeing here, he had five assists. Um, from a 6-6 guy, um, five assists is massive. Um, you know, he does a really, really got good job facilitating around him because he's one of the better shooters on the team. Um, he does a good job passing to the open man when when they close when teams close out on him. So that's something that I think Alabama is going to have to keep an eye on in this game is if Cook isn't playing, you know, what do we need to do for the other players that are going to be stepping up in Cook's absence, right? Cook is their best scorer, but there's more than capable guys of scoring on on that team. In Tuscaloosa, um, every player that played for LSU scored. Um, it looks like they had three guys score under five points, and then five guys score in double digits, with another guy scoring at um, nine. All the starters except for Jalen Reed scored double digits. Jalen Reed scored nine, um, and Derek Fountain or Fountain scored fourteen. So this is a situation where LSU absolutely has the players that can score. Um, this is going to be another really really fast paced game. LSU does like to get out and run. Um, that plays into Alabama style, obviously. Um, for anybody that's watched this team, Alabama loves to get out and run, shoot the three. Um, they got up 34 attempts in that first game. I would expect something very similar. Um, honestly, maybe even a little more um, in this next game. I know that that's something that I would expect to go, you know, to to continue on. NATO likes to be in that 30-plus range, so 30, 34 is, is well within reason um, for, for that game. Uh, there was 79 possessions in that first game. I would expect something, again, very, very similar to that, um, probably in the 75 to 79 possession range. I think this is going to be a very fast-paced game. Um, I think that a lot of the things that happened in that first game are probably going to, to be similar in this one. But the thing to watch for me for Alabama is LSU's a big team. LSU um, is 21st in the country in average height. And the thing with that, with them being as tall and as big as they are, they have Will Baker, the seven-foot center. They have some guys that play in the interior and play pretty big. Alabama just showed what happens, you know, if somebody really gets successful in the interior. Now, is LSU got the interior like Broom and Williams? No, and there's a chance that not many people in the country do. That's one of the best duos in the front court in the country. However, Alabama is still going to have to show that that is not a weakness because if they continue to come out and foul anytime it gets to the interior, we saw that a lot in the Mississippi State game as well as that Auburn game. Um, where the interior big man kind of gets whatever he wants, 
and Alabama just commits foul after foul after foul, then this is going to be something that I, you can guarantee that the rest of the league is going to be watching and is going to be taken a lot more advantage of. So that's something that I really want to see. The other thing that I want to see is what Alabama is going to do with the lineup. Um, I understand why Nate Oates has been starting the five he's been starting. I mentioned it earlier. Um, I think that he looks at that as being one of the most free-flowing lineups. The problem is when you're playing that lineup against a team that has a four-man that can put the ball on the floor, Rylan isn't big enough. He's 6'6", he's long, but at the end of the day, he doesn't have the size. I'm curious if we see somebody like Mo Diabate or um, someone else inserted into the starting lineup. I'm not sure if he will, um, but that's something for me to watch because in my mind, in some of these games, when you're getting a more imposing force in the interior, we've got to do something. And I love Ryland. I love Reitzel. I love the lineup we're going with. But to start the game, I don't think having all four guys on the floor at the same time makes the most sense. Later on in the game, if lineups and the way the game's being played dictates, hey, we can, we can go smaller, I have no issues with it. But I just don't think starting the game makes the most sense with it, given given the size discrepancy. So that's the big thing for me to watch moving forward with this team. The team still has every, everything ahead of them. As I mentioned, um, they are still tied for first place in conference. They would be the number one seed in the SEC tournament if it was to happen today. So everything is fully available for this team. Um, so at the end of the day, that's kind of my thoughts. That's where I think what's going to go, what needs to happen in this next game for us to be successful. Really a lot of the same that happened in the first game. Um, Alabama was super successful in the first game. They could clean up some on the defensive end, um, which I'm sure will be an emphasis after the debacle um, in Auburn. But again, I don't think that the Auburn game is exactly reminiscent of what this team is. I think going into that stadium in that environment and coming out with a loss doesn't say as much about Alabama as it does about Auburn. Um, Auburn needed that win. Um, if they drop that win, then they go to three losses, and you know the top four seed in conference is not guaranteed for them. It's still not guaranteed, but now it's a much higher likelihood. Um, so Auburn really, really, really had to that, have that game. Alabama's more in a circumstance that dropping that game was probably – expected from a lot of fans and maybe even the staff who knows coming into the season so splitting with Auburn you know home and home is is more than okay um, you're in a spot where you control your own destiny you're in a spot where as long as you play to your potential you can still win the conference you could still be the seat you know a top, top seed in the NCAA tournament um, at the end of the day, you can, you know, everything's ahead of you. You, None of your goals you set at the beginning of the season are now out of reach. You know, Nate will often talk about that is like, here, you set these goals. Can, can you still reach them? And the answer is yes, right? Can you still win the SEC? Well, 
I mean, currently there's no team with less than two losses. So, yes, you know, as long as you continue to take care of your business, you still have a chance to win the league. So that's the big thing. Um, I am curious as to some changes that will be made. I'll talk more about those in the next episode. Um, since we do not play in the midweek this coming week, um, I am going to do one episode next week breaking down the A&M game and then any changes um, that I either A, saw in that LSU game or B, would like to see going into the A&M game. So if you are interested in more content like this, please feel free to like and subscribe. Um, this is going to be posted on YouTube, Substack, um, Spotify, you know, anywhere else you get your podcasts. So if anybody else is curious um, or has any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, please feel free to throw them in, in the comments, and I am happy to address in the next episode. Also, if you have anybody that you would be interested in having me either A, interview, or B, um, bring, just bring onto the podcast, let me know. Um, I have some ideas of some people that I probably will get involved in the future. Um, for the beginning few episodes, I'm probably going to do it just solo. Um, and then I have some guests that I can think of that I would like to, like to involve in the future. So if you're interested in seeing anyone or have any ideas as to who should be invited, please let me know. Um, but outside of that, thank you so much, everyone, for watching, and I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks.